0: Welcome to the GenesisChurch.tv podcast with Scott Hunter. I'm your host, Lee Pastor of Genesis, Scott Hunter. Today's a rebroadcast of week two of our Welcome Back series, I Love My Church and My Church Loves Me, where we talk about the foundation and purpose of the church. The church is not a building, it's the movement of God's people. Get ready to learn and grow. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to week two of our series, I Love My Church and My Church Loves Me. What a good morning so far, amen. Last week we talked about how the church was born a movement, and that movement is still moving. Now we talked about how the movement of the church is in itself God's people, God's believers getting together and spreading the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what the church means. It was a good message, I'm just saying better go back and watch on one of our streaming platforms if you missed last week because it's setting up everything that we're talking about. So you can also check it out on our message archive, on our website. I love the church and I love our church. So we're going to continue to learn some lessons to grow us spiritually, I believe numerically. I believe that God wants us to grow his universal church stronger and our local church, Genesis Church, to be better. Everybody say better. Please note, when I say the church, that means that movement, the spreading of the gospel through every believer worldwide, okay? The church is not a location. We might call this building a church, but the church is not a location. The church is God's people. So when I say local church, that just means a group of believers getting together. That might be here at Genesis. It might be ones down the street, around the corner. Again, watch last week. This will make perfect sense. So the next idea that I want to lay out to you as a group, as our local church body today, is this. Small prayers are for small churches. How we pray is an indication of whether or not we've strayed. Keep that thought in mind, okay? And let me ask you this. Have you ever wondered how in the world did the name of Jesus, the story of Jesus, ever escape that first century? Right? So much could have stopped it. So many people could have squashed it. How did it become the biggest and the most amazing, greatest story of all time that has ever been told? The answer is, something happened. Something happened, and it launched this movement known as the church. It's the foundation of what we believed. It's something that happened. It's not just something that was simply taught a long, long time ago. People have taught things forever, and they're not remembered. But something critical, something amazing happened. Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and then eyewitnesses were charged to go and talk about it. And the church launched itself around that good news, that Jesus is alive forevermore, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Holy One of God, and that man's primary obstacle, sin, had been defeated forever. And the ultimate penalty for sin is death. And because of Jesus Christ, sin has been overcome, death has been defeated forever, and the church launched the church launched as a multicultural a multiplying movement with that specific mission in mind to make disciples to make believers to make followers of Jesus Christ so from that day forward there's always been a group dedicated to this with the refusal of that idea just we're not letting it go that the church is a movement the church is a gathering it's not a building so that gathering of God's people we are called to go change the world, to know Christ stand? See, we say it, but do we believe it? Because I don't believe the majority of the world has, never has. I still think the majority of the world sees church as a building where people go and they just attend and then they leave. You see, the gravitational pull of a local church is always to reach after those that have been reached. To love us, to be inwardly focused, versus rather than reaching the unreached. It's a place where we begin to wonder if we focus so much serving the insiders versus serving some outsiders. You know, as history has shown, church has been hostile to outsiders. Like some of the things that I read in history about the church, and I'm like, man, they missed the boat, right? Christians who attend insider-focused churches become super insensitive to people on the outside looking in, like this is our country club. It is not your place of belonging, right? Nope, that's never going to happen here. I told you last week when we started this thing, as long as I'm leading the pack, this will be a real church for real people, for the messed up, the broken, the people on their their last ditch of life and are looking for some kind of solution, some kind of encounter with God. God. I helped plant this church, and we will be that real church. See, sadly, though, some, some insider-focused kind of mentality has taken over some of the church, and, and the church as a whole sometimes because it becomes judgmental, and that's what people look at churches, and they think, man, those are really some judgy people. Or sometimes they're just kind, but they're just oblivious to my needs or to even seeing me. So let me tell you of a, a bad but not so bad church experience. And let me explain how that works. When I graduated college, I got married the same month, and then in the next few days, I went and moved to New York City with my wife. We didn't do much in the month of May. Um, But my wife and I got there, and we attended this amazing megachurch in Brooklyn, and it was huge. But the pastor's messages were like fire, right? And worship was so powerful, like it knocked you backwards, but hardly anybody ever talked to us. Like we were ushered in and ushered out a lot of times like cattle. And so we never had that desire to connect because I never really met anybody. And if it had not been for the sermons, I'm not really sure that we would have gone back. I was young and I thought, oh well, at least I'm in church. We'll just be attenders. But Tab and I were two people that had spent our entire lives doing ministry, being a part of the church, having church family. Now we found ourselves sitting doing nothing because no one ever presented an opportunity to connect or asked us to do anything or required us to be the the church. And when we moved away, I never missed my church because because it really wasn't my church home. It was just the church building. You see, most people who leave a local church never return to church, not because of bad theology, not because of anything that you know they heard or they didn't like the way that it was sung, it was really majority on, on how they were treated. Sometimes not even poorly, sometimes they're just ignored or, or not implored to connect. So they don't. And that back door just swings right, Well, they'll go in and they'll go out, they'll go in and they'll go out. Now granted, some people see what they only want to see. Some people have gotten upset over, over really dumb stuff or, or legitimately got hurt but a lot of times I think those people believe that pastors, staff, and even you, volunteers, have to be perfect, and if you're not, and if you ever miss the boat, well, you've hurt my feelings, and I'm leaving. I'm not talking about those people. Those people who we, we technically kind of see them as church hoppers. They go from one place to the other, to the other, to the other, to the other, and they're never satisfied. What I'm talking about are, are, are people in church, when you walk in and you approach someone and they're mean-spirited, or they say something hurtful, or even in my case, Nice people, but they're just oblivious that new people are looking to belong, looking to connect. All the outsiders made to feel like outsiders, like they don't belong here. And I never, ever want that to be how we are with you. I love my church because my church feels like home. And we do try every single Sunday to connect with you. That's why you get a stupid connect card and I beg you to fill it out, right? Because I want you to know us and I want to know you. I love our people. And I, and I want you to understand that they love you back. And, and you can see it by how they love, by how they give, by how they serve, by how they invest into the mission and the vision of what we do here. And sometimes, even once in a while, they tell me that they love me back. But let me warn you, we are not immune to becoming a church that I experienced in New York, nice, but just inwardly focused, right? There's got to be a balance. Loving each other, but always letting new people in, right? Always looking forward to meeting somebody new and putting our arms around them, looking forward to bringing someone to meet Jesus and meet each other. Like if we don't pay attention to that kind of stuff and, and we don't pay attention to people from the outside looking in, we are missing the point of being God's people, You and I are supposed to, no, you and I are required to seek and save the lost. That is our charge by Jesus Christ. So how do we we know if we're becoming too insidery, right? And not not enough like outsidery focused, right? Those are real words, I promise. Like I know we have programs that reach the outside, but my question is, are you actually a part of them? Or do you think, wow, look what my church does. That's so awesome. But you've never been part of that movement. See what I'm saying? Like Friday night was literally one of the coolest things that we've ever done here in a long time. The Shine Shindig was packed. You're going to watch a a video recap at the end of this so you'll get to see what I'm talking about today. But there was just a small handful of Genesis. Everybody that was serving, yeah, they're from Genesis Church and some parents. But maybe 5% of the audience was genesis and as a pastor it kind of stung my heart because i think the more times that we show up and we love people because this is our church and we wrap our arms around people they might show back up here on a sunday morning and find christ we could have flooded the place with genesis people and made it feel so much more like home so that all these visitors over 200 people would have joined us here this month this sunday morning You know, look around in the morning. Like every week I see visitors coming in and then I'm convicted. Yet who have I brought? I'm not calling anybody out. I'm calling all of us to wake up. Like I love you, my church. And I'm not just saying this to you. I'm saying to myself. But we love each other and we love God. So don't you think other people need to learn to be loved and be loved by him? Romans 10, 13 through 15 is one of the most compelling scriptures. Paul says to us, be it the power of the Holy Spirit who spoke through him to write this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to be saved unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them, unless they are being sent. That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. Oh, if we would just start bringing the good news. How do we know if we're slowly drifting towards being a more inward kind of people? A bunch of people who like to hang out and drink cool coffee and sing cool songs and be like wear some Jesus t-shirts, right? Talking about the things we like to talk about, enjoying good potluck dinner on first Wednesday night. Right, Because I'd like your macaroni and cheese. Whoever brings no macaroni and cheese, keep bringing that macaroni and cheese, right? We love to hang out with each other. There's nothing wrong with that. But this place should also be flooded by people who do not know God. People trying desperately to find some hope for life, to live again. Who desperately need to know that God loves them. And again, I just want to lay this out in front of you today, because I want you to grapple with this the way that I have all week long. How a church prays indicates on whether it's strayed. How a church people? How we, as Genesis. How we pray is an indicator on how we have strayed. And I'm not talking about living in deliberate disobedience to God's word and obvious sin. I'm talking about the sin of omission where we just don't do what we're supposed to do and we're just not paying attention to it, that we've strayed from the mission that he's put into our lives. We scream it, no Christ to make him known, but are we living it? Think about our prayers for this moment. Who and what do we pray about the most? I'm so 100% guilty of this. Mostly, I pray about people that I know are sick relatives and those on the connect cards. But they're all mostly these inside kind of prayers, right? I'm praying for you, 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 you. And I think, who am I praying for in my world that has no clue who you are, Jesus? Do you know why sometimes your prayers seem like words that kind of like stop when they hit the ceiling? Maybe because they're being prayed with no urgency and no expectancy. Maybe it's because we don't require God's intervention to show up and show off in the middle of what we're trying to pray for. Here's why. Because sometimes we pray for things that don't really require God's intervention or attention. If you and I are not praying radical prayers that require God to move, then why don't we just stop being chill and go answer our own dang prayers and just do the work? Good night's sleep, can't get one, that's what I'm praying for? Yo, there's medicine for that, right? And if I just pray every day, Lord, let me have a good day at the office. If that's all I'm praying, dude, no wonder why you're bored and tired all day long at work. I wonder if God's bored. Now, being a little facetious, facetious. It's hard to say. Because I do believe you pray for everything large and small. But it's time to shake up some stuff. That song could not have been more appropriate for this message today. That God might shake up my inside prayers and help me to take these blinders off and start looking around me. Why? Because God is electric. God is amazing in his church should be the same. If you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter four. We're gonna get into something here that is literally the first recorded prayer after the church kickstarts, starts, after it's opening day. And you get nothing but a, just an excited group of Jesus followers and they're like on the verge of being persecuted and like beaten up and thrown in jail. Like it's crazy. And here is what happens. Let me give you some background before we read this thing. On day one, remember, 3,000 people came to know Jesus Christ as personal friend and Savior because bold Peter got up under the influence of the Holy Spirit being dunked out on him and preached the good news. And on the day of Pentecost, where all these people were in the middle of Jerusalem, 3,000 people heard it in their own dialect, their own language, what Peter was preaching, and they gave their heart to the Lord. A few days later, Peter and John, they went to the temple And they healed a guy who the Bible says was lame from birth, meaning that his legs were misformed in the womb, and people saw it, and like eyeballs popped out their head, kind of astounded. People began to gather more and more, because, man, you start seeing signs and wonders, and people show up to see what you're talking about. And they were preaching about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then several thousand were believed, 5,000 men plus women plus children, the city like, had swelled to about 70,000 people, and so that was over 10% of the population. That's crazy, but hold up. The temple leaders got a little disturbed of all this resurrection talk, right? People don't want to hear about Jesus Christ. So what did they do? They got to the disciples, and they threw all of them in jail. The next day, they brought them in for questioning, and then my boy Peter got up again. Woo, I love it. And he says, this little message about the resurrection to all the people who had just killed Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That's bold, talk about a narrow gate, right? But no one else has ever made the claims that Jesus made. So he shared, he said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, the jokers that ran away when they arrested Jesus, right, Peter hid and then came and snuck around and then denied him. When they saw the boldness on him of these unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I love that phrase. I want people to look at me, look at you, and say, what? You've been spending time with the Lord. I can tell, right? But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them. There was nothing they could say. You can't say, well, you just didn't heal him in Jesus' name because, uh, he walking, right? But because of public pressure, because 10% of the population were now on fire for Jesus, they didn't punish them, but they threatened them and they warned them, right, that their message, you better shut that stuff up. But then they let the disciples go. And Peter and John rushed back to their core group and they were gathered there and then they begin to like talk about what had happened. Like they knew that they just saw Jesus crucified, right? So they were expecting the worst for themselves. They reported what had happened and then the group prayed. About to jump out of this chair. Luke records the essence of this prayer. The first century church prayed. And as I read this, I want you to think, what would you be praying about? If that just happened to you, You've just been thrown in jail, you've just been dragged out, and you've just been told you better shut your mouth or something worse is going to happen. What would you be praying? Acts 24 through 28. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea, and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why did the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain the kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the lord and against his anointed one indeed herod and pontius pilate met together with the gentiles and the people of israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant jesus whom you anointed they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen okay so they're laying out lord we get that you were in charge of all things here's the request Look at verse 29, "Now, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They prayed, boldness and confidence, not protection. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Lord. Let this thing snowball. Keep healing. Keep turning heads at the commotion of your amazing, miraculous touch. In contrast to our prayer so much of the time of help me, protect me, bless me, give to me. Like I think, like how many times have I prayed that? And I think how many times have I been praying, Lord, in this season of my life for boldness? Like I have been hit, wrecked cut open a bazillion times, and I'm thinking, Lord, just let this in. Lord, heal this. Lord, fix this. Lord, I, I am in a rough spot. How many times have I been praying, Lord, make me bold so that every single doctor, nurse that I come in contact with, Lord, walks away and they believe in you? How many, how many opportunities have I missed? When was the last time that you prayed your life would draw attention to the Savior? Sometimes I think we pray these little weenie prayers, and I'm, I'm like, that, that's why very little happens. Look at verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, <laughs> and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. See, God dumps his power from his Holy Spirit. It's dunamis in the Greek. That means where the word dynamite comes from, it means explosive power hit these men, hit these women, hit these kids, and then the room shook. What? Right? And Luke can't help draw their attention. I love this. And he says, I'm going to draw your attention to something that nobody was going to anticipate, something that seemingly seems disconnected. Read the next verse. A case of generosity broke out. Weird, right? All the believers were in one heart and in one mind, and they... No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. So God gives, and then we're compelled to give. Right back to the matter at hand, he says, verse 33, with... Great power, the apostles continued to testify, to preach, to share their stories of what Jesus had done in their life to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them from the time those who owned land or houses sold them brought the money from the sales and put them at the apostles' feet and were distributed to anyone who had need. See, this was generosity. This was not socialism. This was generosity because their stuff, no one told them what to do with it. God got on their heart and said, I'm going to give away so that you are not needy. That's generosity. They were generous with them, their stuff because they couldn't help themselves. The Spirit of God compelled, compelled them to be a giver. Because why? God is a giver. And God starts making us more like him all the time that we spend our, our lives with him in prayer. He's a blesser. And he blesses us so that we begin to bless other people. There's just this natural connection to this stuff. And I don't think that we ever connect these things. Like I read this and I think sometimes I read those passages, I was like, where did that come from? But there's a connection between boldness and generosity. Why? Because their money followed their prayers. Our income follows, our investments follow ours as well. Makes sense? Now, apparently it makes no sense. Make sense? Out of your heart speaks truth. Out of your heart flows your generosity. Out of your heart, what God is doing in you is compelled to come out of your life. That's called fruit of the Spirit operating in you and through you. Now, I don't want us to be this big church that prays these small prayers. I want to see. Our faith grow. I want to see this church multiply. I want to see prayers get bolder and crazier. I want to see the power of God explode and keep doing ministries bigger and better. I want to see people healed. I want to see the people who've never been able to walk before in their entire lives get up out of a chair and walk. I want to see people who have deaf ears be opened. I want to see the blind see. Because I believe God still does those things. I just don't think we pray for them. I think we pray, here's the money, and then we don't, are you travailing? You know what that means? It means you're praying through. It means you're praying your guts out. It means you're wearing out holes. Why do you think I got holes on my jeans? It ain't because they fancy. Woo, it's because I've been praying themselves to death. That's what we got to do. And it's not us that makes it happen, but I'm telling you, it's God that makes it happen, but I'm saying the word of God says if you if you do not ask, you do not have. If you ask not, you have not. So I'm going to start asking, and I'm going to keep on knocking, and I'm going to pound on his door till he opens and hears me. So beginning today, I want you to start praying for boldness. I know, not, not instead of what you pray, in addition to what you pray. Because I believe you pray for everything. It's fine to pray for your family. You should be praying for your family. Pray always. Pray in short prayers. Pray those little tweet prayers, like just go with God in 180 characters all day long, right? But I believe that you can do that, but you've got to get alone with God too. got to get alone with God and, and, and start wearing out the knees in your jeans. And just pray. Shake the ground. Let the Lord's Spirit fall and hit you so that it makes the earthquake. And if that makes you a little uncomfortable because your prayers have been too tame, too small, to you, to me, and not enough, God, maybe it's time we just switch up the way that we pray. Maybe we just stop praying the small prayers or the things that are not big enough or not bold enough we're not even brave enough lord today make us brave lord today make us bold lord to make us god today make us the fullest generous generation that has ever seen the earth lord i pray god today that what we do what we say how we love how we give how we relinquish our lives asking nothing in return lord it flips people's lives upside down and makes us question why we are what we are who we are and who is living in us let your fire fall lord and ignite all of us lord so let me just wrap this up today and say this let me be bold with you today chances are if you pray like most christians if God answered all the prayers that you've prayed this past year, and the only difference you've seen is what has changed in your personal life, maybe your family's life. Maybe then some of you have gotten married, some of you have had kids, or you've gotten better grades in school. Not my children. You stopped praying that prayer, start praying it better, right? Maybe you have been healed. Maybe you've had relatives healed, if God answered all your prayers and the only people that benefited are your family, then it's time to switch things up, my church. Don't get me wrong. Pray for those things. You should pray for those things. But if that's the only kind of stuff that we're praying for, then we've lost sight of the bigger picture. That we're here to seek and save the lost. The world is on fire. And we need to ask God to intervene. People are dying spiritually all the time. And they're dying physically more often now than not. How many of those people in mass shootings or just on a weekend in Chicago have never heard the message and the gospel and the hope of Jesus Christ? it's over for them. You get one life, one chance. So do all of your friends, so do all of your family members, so do all of your coworkers. What are we doing to reach them? So those prayers that are just me focused, let's turn them outward. Let's get bold. That's how a Christian gets were outside focused on its mission. I think that's how the first century got the message of Jesus Christ out. Because they did something with it. It would not have spread if people didn't open up their mouths. Make sense? You have this tiny group of people. Now look at what Christianity has become. But it also got them in trouble. So you better be ready to stand firm when you start praying for boldness. And we're going to pick it up there next week, and I'm going to tell you some modern-day bold stories of why I love the people in my church, so that you might be encouraged, so that you might pray bigger and bolder prayers so that you might celebrate being the church that is on fire with the power of the Holy Spirit and living out its calling why because the world needs us and in the meantime I want you this week to begin to pray bigger and bolder God honoring kind of prayers because we are the church for this generation we're it and we've been called to pray So I'm going to give you a little prayer that I want us to pray out loud together today. Here's what I want you to pray this whole week. You can snap pictures of it with your camera phones. Lord, enable me to speak your word with great boldness. Use me to stretch out my hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. This has been another podcast of genesischurch.tv with Scott Hunter, lead pastor of Genesis Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Tune in each Sunday at 929 or 1101 on YouTube, Vimeo, Facebook, and live.genesischurch.tv or visit us in person at 4070 Mission Road here in Tallahassee. Catch us for weekly messages and midweek interviews and encouragement here on the genesischurch.tv podcast.